At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 611th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today is Farmer Friday, a quick tidbit for growing your garden. Each episode will feature less than 10 minutes of an essential content for growing your garden, and some episodes we will answer your questions. If you have one, send it to questions at urbanfarm.org. Today, we're talking with Andrew Faust about holistic, biodynamic tree care. Enjoy. Welcome back, Andrew. Hey, thank you, Greg. Great to be back. So, I'm going to start this actually with a quick story. It's 2003. I am at a urban farming conference in Santa Barbara at Fairview Gardens. And this guy's talking about what he called poo paint. Mm-hmm. P-O-O-P-A-I-N-T, poo paint. And I wrote down in a journal somewhere, I wrote down the recipe for it. And that's all I've been able to remember until you and I talked on the podcast the other day. Yeah. And so yeah. you touched on something called biodynamic tree paste. And I really want right. to, I want to dig into that. So let's, and I'm, and I, I got off the phone with you after that. And I called several of my friends and said, Oh my gosh, it's something it's real. So <laughs> I'm excited about your, your poop exactly. So <laughs> holistic tree care, Biodynamic holistic tree care. Let's start there, and then we'll talk about poo paint. Well, Greg, let me give your listeners a little background and context to why, for me, biodynamics is worth figuring out how to pronounce and learn about. (laughs) Right. And it partially had to do with uh, the desire after studying permaculture design at the farm in Tennessee in Mm -hmm. 1996. That's probably the largest old hippie commune, now intentional community in Summertown, Tennessee, started yep. by Stephen Gaskin, Nina May Gaskin on 1,600 acres there. Wow. And uh, when I came back from that, I was teaching at a free school, not free as in didn't cost money. It's a private school, but free as in the students who went there didn't get grades, just got credit. But we also gave them a high school diploma that was state certified. So it was a very wow. unique program wow. that I could do a whole other story and there's much to learn about that particular school. I learned a lot there. I taught there for 10 years. I graduated from there. It closed after 47 years of operation. So I had the good fortune of taking what I learned of permaculture, integrating it into my high school curriculum there. And I decided shortly after coming back that I needed to learn more about fruit trees and the cultivation of fruit trees. And I found that there was this biodynamic farm nearby. And I didn't really know what biodynamics was then at all. Mm -hmm. And I just offered to take my high school kids there and volunteer one day a week to work in the orchard. And I figured, well, this is a good way for me to learn about biodynamic orchard keeping. And 
really rich learning situation. At one point, the Camp Hill Village got an AmeriCorps grant. So we had college kids who were there on AmeriCorps. We had Camp Hill Villages, adults with special needs, my high school kids, all working in this orchard. And the thing that's amazing about the biodynamic orchards is there's that aspect of it. There's a social dimension of who's drawn to the community because of their very holistic approach to thinking about life and gardening and wanting to be as nature-based, as holistic as possible Uh in a way that still gets you a really good, highly functioning yield in in a way that is also... Uh, much more time and labor management intensive right. than many organic operations might be comfortable with who are just trying to do like a single product over a big area. These are polyculture, perennial, forest garden kind of orchards that wow. they do in biodynamics. But the difference in biodynamics from permaculture forest gardening is that in biodynamics, they're going to prune, they're going to often rotationally graze. They also do this classic system that you might consider, in a sense, an ideal of the permaculture model of what my teachers called a recombinant ecology, where we're going to create a landscape where we have different types of fruits and nuts and berries, and we might move domesticated animals through those landscapes. And it looks like a wild ecology, but you're going to get these crazy high yields that you wouldn't get from just a wild version of that, right? So in biodynamics, they're doing that, but they're pruning it. They're giving it these, they're the ones who really innovated kaolin clay sprays as one surround, which is a sometimes overused one, but is a truly, it's just a clay spray that you're using in an orchard at a commercial scale, kaolin, K-A-O-L-I-N. Kaolin sprays have become a standard part of how organic grow operations that are doing, say, eco-certified apples uh, managed to mitigate a lot of pest problems. Oh, right. And a lot of that was started in the biodynamic farming and gardening tradition. You'll find that biodynamics is also these days quite popular in the wine community yes. because they, they do a lot of very um, thoughtful, again, holistic, plant-based, herbal-based remedies for bug health issues in general in orchards. What I like, so they talk about trees in the orchard trees as creatures of air and light. And what they're saying is that when you think about a fruit tree, you want to think about opening up every fruiting limb to a maximum amount of air and light. Uh And that you want to, as I said, the rotational grazing that they'll do underneath them is they'll start with dairy cattle, then they'll move sheep through it then they'll then they'll move chickens as the final round to scratch and peck the scat from the you know from the cattle and from the sheep and eat the bugs and eat the bugs exactly and they do they are fairly fastidious being germanic in their heritage i think that comes fairly naturally to these biodynamic farms so they clean up the orchards very thoroughly, even to the point of raking leaves, often in some of them. Oh, interesting. And then the biodynamic tree paste, the poo paste, is really <laughs> the thing. And it was part, it was also certainly my high school students had a lot of, you know, S eating grins on their faces as they were applying it to the trees. Right. Because of knowing that it was. Now, the poo that you use in it is fortunately a kind that we don't have to have nearly the health considerations for that we do for say carnivore scat because uh-huh. it's all it's cow manure oh, and right. there really yeah. is a spectrum of difference in the kinds of things that a person if they weren't paying attention with what they were doing with what's on their hands because as long as you are clearly you won't get sick so it's cow manure cow poo 
that goes in it. This this biodynamic tree paste is the single topic for this session that's worth focusing on because I found it to be, in addition to the pruning and the keeping the understory clean, quick side note that I want to say for listeners there who probably aren't going to have an opportunity to raise dairy cattle, sheep, and chickens under their fruit trees is to think more about if you have grass culture, mowing is certainly fine because yep. it keeps the roots from competing, as I'm sure you know about this. But also advantageous, according to the USDA, the USDA has an Appalachian Fruit Research Center in which they showed that if you plant different types of clovers and valerian and buckwheat underneath your fruit tree, yes. you're going to have appreciable less uh, pest and insect damage and you're gonna also you know plus you got the nitrogen fixation plus good pollinator attractor habitat so in the biodynamic orchard you're gonna have a nice pruning structure you're gonna have your fruiting limbs selected for that proper angle not a 90 degree one not a straight up one but like a 70 degree ideal angle you're gonna cut all crossing limbs you're gonna cut all water shoots and then you're gonna If it's a bigger, older, slightly older tree, say like a tree that might be like, you know, seven or eight inches in circumference, you're going to take a wire brush, like the type of wire brush you would use to clean off a car terminal corrosion on it. And you're going to actually give the tree what I call a dermatological scrub. You're not going to, you're not going to scrub the trunk till you like get green. Then you you lay off if you see green, but you're literally just going to take the dead flaking skin because on on a bigger older tree this isn't necessary on say a fruit tree that's just you know two inches three three to five years old but by the time they get to be like 10 and more this becomes a really great holistic once a year activity that you're doing right after typically you've pruned you give the tree the dermatological scrub Uh and then you paste it and you paste it with this uh Poo paint. This combination with the poo paint, with which is a combination of clay, cow manure, water, and it would involve some of the biodynamic preparations if we were on a biodynamic farm. I often add into it sort of a catch-all. I'll put in things like diatomaceous earth. I'll put in cayenne. I'll put in uh, garlic. Yeah. And then things that I know are in the, the preps that they put in it, I'll add like chamomile tea. I'll add an equisetum tea. And then you just cover and you cover as much of the tree as you can reach with that as high as you because it's when the tree is totally dormant. And so the concept behind it is that what you're doing is you're you're eliminating habitat for mold, blight, fungus and insect cocoons. Yeah. And you figure and clay has this incredible you figure, you know, people put a clay mask, not typically with cow manure in it on their face. Yep. At a beautician. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to put cow manure in that Right now with the cow manure. <laughs> and, uh, and when it dries, it fe- you feel how it pulls your skin, right? Yeah. Clay has this real wicking effect. And that's exactly what it does on the tree. It has this really beautifully beautiful, because I say one of our big problems in the Northeast with fruit production that you don't suffer from quite as much out there is how just ridiculously humid it is here. Oh, yeah. We've got real challenges with mold and blights and fungus here. Um, So the clay has this awesome drying effect. It's like bringing a little desert into the microclimate habitat of the tree trunk. Plus the clay has micronutrients in it, does it not? For sure. 
with the cow manure as well. You know, it turns out World Health Organization was confused by this because in India, they traditionally use cow manure all over the villages for clay plastering their homes. Oh, interesting. And they were certain they were, they were the WHO people Freaked who were all Western sure. educated were like, wow, this must be. And then they did samples and did studies. It turns out total counterintuitive when it dries, it's antimicrobial and antifungal and antibacterial. <laughs> there you go. So, and it replaces something I've learned as a natural builder doing straw bale. I have one of my slides is of one of my guys on my crew with an electric weed eater cutting up straw in a plastic trash can. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, people use the cow manure because cows leave chopped straw in yep. there nicely, perfectly suited to the tensile structure that you want for your finished plaster. Yeah. So don't be afraid of poo when it's the right poo from the right animal. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Today has been absolutely delightful and very informative. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Really enjoyed it, Craig. Other questions? Anything else? To- well, yeah, you're a teacher, and you uh, you do have a, a site where you teach this stuff, and you have a podcast. Tell How do we find you, and what do you teach? Yeah, please. Check out our website. We put a lot into the website. I'll encourage your listeners to go there and spend a little time digging around, because you'll see it's a real archive. We have a videos page. We have a lot of different educational materials for free on there for people. The website is Permaculture New York, all spelled out, permaculturenewyork.com. And wealth of information there. We also have a lot of classes. We have one coming up right now that'll be starting online that is a weekend permaculture design course. Oh, nice. Starting this Saturday, the 24th. Perfect. That's the 24th of April. April. Okay, good. So this tomorrow. Oh, oh, there you go. This will be coming out in May. So check no, out. That's fine. It's an it's an ongoing class. But yeah, just for listeners, just check us out. You'll see that we have circulating activities going on. We host a free meetup every month. You should join our Brooklyn Permaculture Meetup. I strongly encourage you to check that out and subscribe. It's a really great network of graduates. And Nice. Now, is that online or is that in person? It is. Yeah. The Brooklyn Permaculture oh. Meetup during COVID has been online. We'll go back to live versions but i imagine we'll do a combination from here on out i'll say because that's some i'm in phoenix and that's something that sounds like i'd like to do oh yeah well i'll send you an invite to our next one they're every third friday seven o'clock excellent so your website brooklyn go ahead yeah just go to the brooklyn just brooklyn permaculture meetup if people look that up it'll take you right to the meetup page to subscribe become a member of it and that way you'll get the listings about when we're doing the talk and what the topics are. Um, yeah. Awesome. And your website again? PermacultureNewYork.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you, Greg. Really enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. 
Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.